Let's review AEW Dynamite's Blood and Guts now on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Join me. It's Ralph Valenti. Ralph, I think Tony Khan was trolling you with the way this show got formatted because it opens up with your favorite wrestler, Orange Cassidy, after the very impressive match that he had with Will Ospreay for the IWGP US title match uh, at Forbidden Door. He opens up Blood and Guts against Ethan Page. And in Detroit, obviously the story around this match was whether or not Orange Cassidy, who weighs 145 pounds soaking wet and looks like a 12-year-old boy, according to Dan Lambert, could he body slam all-ego Ethan Page? He tries a couple times and eventually does so on the third time for the one, two, three. Ralph, you're part of the review of Forbidden Door on this podcast, so would you think of his match with Osprey? What'd you think of his match with Ethan page? I think most people just want to hear your thoughts on, on it anyway. They don't want to hear my opinion. They want your opinion. So the floor is yours. People want to hear what I have to say about orange Cassie. So who would have thought the person that I care and, and adore so much in pro wrestling today would be imitating my childhood hero, Hulk Hogan. I mean, <laughs> I, I was just elated over the moon when I had just realized that that was exactly what was going on last night. Uh, now, you know, I, I think I'm going to try to be as consistent as possible with Orange Cassidy here. Um, I've, I think I've always said that I feel like he's a, he's a good wrestler. He can have good matches. His gimmick is a thing that I simply can't get behind or not so much that I can't even get behind it. Um, because, you know, even like for what it's worth, his match versus Will Ospreay on the show, I'll tell you right now, I felt like that was probably the best match on Forbidden Door. His match last night, he doubled down on that, and he had another great match with a guy that I think is underutilized in AEW, in Ethan Page. And this is the way they use him, and at least in last night's situation, you can kind of debate uh, if him going against Will Ospreay and having a competitive match was good or bad for business because you're going to get people on both sides of it. His match last night was fine. Ethan Page isn't a guy that's being booked um, incredibly strong right now. It's not like he's a top contender for a heavyweight championship or anything like that. So I was fine with it. I think that he had another really good match last night. My thing with Orange Cassidy has always been, where's the ceiling on it? You'll get people who are going to tell you he's going to be the next big thing in pro wrestling. You'll get people that are going to tell you that he'll be a world champion someday. Maybe. I've been saying this for, what, three years now since AEW has, has been in existence? Maybe. Mm -hmm. I just haven't seen anything yet that leads me to believe that as long as guys like John Moxley, Brian Danielson, uh, Chris Jericho's, guys of that stature, as long as they're on the roster, I don't see Orange Cassidy winning any heavyweight championships anytime soon. That right. being said, last night, another great match. I'll go this far. I enjoyed both his matches between Forbidden Door and last night. Okay, so there's some positivity with Orange Cassidy. Now, I want to bring this up to you because I was going back and forth with someone in our comment section. I was trying to make an analogy on, you know, why I personally don't think he's a main event player right now. And obviously because he's a quote-unquote comic relief wrestler, the way I was trying to say it was he's Adam Sandler or Jim Carrey, where people are trying to put him in the realm of Robin Williams. And the reason why I use those three is because those three are one of the best comedy actors, at least in our lifetime. Now, the difference between Robin Williams and Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler is 
Robin Williams has won an Academy Award, which is the prestigious, most prestigious honor in acting. So that would be similar to winning the AEW World Championship, you know, the most prestigious prize in the promotion. Sure. What did Robin Williams have to do to win that Academy Award? He, he didn't had to do something. Yeah. He didn't win it for Hook. He didn't win it for Toys. He didn't win it for Aladdin. He didn't win it for Mrs. Doubtfire. He won it for Goodwill Hunting. There was, you know, more of a drama to it. There was more of a storyline to it, not just a bunch of jokes that everybody laughs at. So what does Orange Cassidy have to do to get to that level? What's going to get him that Oscar? Do you agree with that assessment and that analogy I'm trying to make here? Because the person I was trying to explain this to, I don't think quite got it because he was saying that wrestling scripted and Academy Awards aren't. And that was basically his his counter argument to it. Well, at the end of the day, movies and wrestling alike, they, they are meant to entertain you and they're really meant to uh, give you a perception of whatever it is they're trying to portray. I talk about this all the time on here. You're, the wrestlers are trying to convince the audience that what they're doing, even though they know that it's heavily scripted or even go as far as to say it's fake, predetermined, whatever terminology you want to use, the outcome is determined. You know exactly what's going to happen. Now, it's on the wrestlers to go out there to have a good match and to allow the, the fans for that 15, 20 minutes, even hell, last night the match was an hour, to lose themselves in that match and make you believe that it, it's a real thing. Um, I think with Orange Cassidy, I, I do agree with your uh, with what you're saying. Now, Adam Sandler is finding late career success in some of the movies he's doing. But again, it's like not like he's necessarily rolling out these comedies that he's getting recognition for. Um, right. I've always felt like and I've always said that if there's anything that's holding Orange Cassidy back, uh, it's it's his his character. Uh, he needs to do something. I, I, and even going back further to when he feuded with Jericho, I said that, you know, one of the things that he's going to need to do is he's going to have to talk. He's going to have to cut promos, especially in an industry that's so heavily reliant on your personality coming through. I get it. I know what he's trying to do. I know why people like the gimmick and I know why that it's, it feels special him being that underdog and it, you know, it, it works. The fans get behind him. Mm -hmm. Is it going to work if they put the heavyweight championship on him? You're going to get people that are going to love it and you're going to get people that are going to hate it. Um, and I know people make the analogy, well, John Cena, well, John Cena is not Orange Cassidy. I'm sorry. Uh, and you can debate who's better in the I, ring I and all that type Orange of stuff. Orange Cassidy but... is not John Cena. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 whatever you, what, however you want to say it, it doesn't matter. I mean, John Cena, because you get that type of reaction from the crowd where you're going to get people that boo him, you're going to get people that cheer him. Now, with Orange Cassidy, there's definitely a certain percentage of the fan base, even if they're not EW fans, that aren't going to get behind him. Mm -hmm. I don't see what he's currently doing ever getting him to a heavyweight championship or being this major draw like people suggest. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's been three years and I haven't seen anything that still to this day leads me to believe that he can get to that point where they he puts AEW on his back and he's like the top contender in AEW. Just don't right. see that. Right. And, and that's like, that's, I think why people think you're an orange Cassidy hater because you're not putting them in that main event caliber, like a Moxley, a CM Punk at Adam Cole and Adam page, a Britt Baker, you know, and like, yes, he sells merch. Yes. He has social media interaction and gets people talking on social media, but is he at that level that CM Punk is at that John Moxley's at Britt Baker? But guys have always done yet. that. Guys have always, Zach Ryder did that in WWE. But there was a ceiling to what Zack Ryder was able to do. Um, that guys ceiling was Vince McMahon. 
Well, whatever it is, what whatever it is. I mean, even even you know, with that gimmick, or just like other people who, whoever you want to compare them to. People say make the comparison. Oh, well, Santino Morella, yeah, but Santino Morella wasn't challenging for heavyweight championships, and and you know, he wasn't being pushed as the guy. That's what I'm saying. Orange Cassidy may even have a feud where he's in the heavyweight championship picture, but I don't see him being the guy as he currently is right now with that character. Right. right. I, I would agree with that. And I know there's a Royal Rampage match this Friday, and I know they did it. So if there's spoilers, don't spoil it for us in the comments section, please. But Orange Cassidy's in there, and outside of, like, I think two or three other guys, he's a possible person that could win that match. But who knows? But let's move on to the next segment here. Christian Cage comes out for yet another interview with Tony Schiavone doubles down on Jungle Boy's family, this time saying that he wishes they were all dead, with the exception of Jungle Boy's mom, where he gestures, call me, adds more heat to it, saying that the only thing good about Detroit is that it's near Canada. And then he reveals that Luchasaurus has aligned with him, and Luchasaurus comes out with a brand new look. He's got a silver dinosaur mask as opposed to green. He's all decked out in silver instead of green. Comes out. Has a quick squash match. I don't even remember who it was against. Oh, Serpentico. And that was it. I mean, we see a new side of Luchasaurus, I think, was a breath of fresh air for him. You know, continued heat for Christian Cage, which was great. So while it was a short, sweet segment, I liked it. I really did like it. And when Jungle Boy comes back, he's going to come back to a huge pop. Yeah, I, I definitely like this. Uh, like I said last week, Christian Cage is pretty much at his best when he has a muscle that can kind of clean up his dirty work. And it seems like Luchasaurus is going to be that guy. Would I like to see them kind of move him past the dinosaur gimmick? I would, but I'm okay with what they're trying to do, at least for right now. Because um, I, I do think it'll get to that point anyway. And as far as Christian, yeah, another solid uh, heat-seeking uh, promo that he cut last night on uh, not just Jungle Boy, but Jungle Boy's family. Uh, there's there's nobody you hate more than a prick in a turtleneck, and he is certainly playing that role perfectly. So um, I, I'm excited for when Jungle Boy comes back because I think this is really, like I keep saying, I think this is going to be the feud that kind of gets him out of his shell. Um, and it, this is, I think, going to be a feud where Jungle Boy can truly prove himself being one of those guys, that, guys that's just kind of known for in-ring stuff. He'll get to, to show a little more of that charisma that he hopefully has, and I think that will get him past whatever... Um, current restraints he might be in or whatever box he's kind of restricted to right now. So, Right. No, I I totally agree. And was it just me or when when I was watching Luchasaurus last night, I don't know why, but I just got a Kane vibe to him. Uh, No, I definitely, yeah, definitely. For sure. Not Glenn Jacobs. We're not talking about Glenn Jacobs, the the mayor of Knox County. We're talking about the actual wrestler. We're talking about the wrestler in ring character of Kane. So forget the politics. I'm talking about Luchasaurus compared to Kane, the co- the character. So, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely saw it. I think a lot of people made that connection too, but let me know in the comments what you think. But next up we have maybe another one of your favorite wrestlers in AEW, Dan Housen, teaming up with none other than FTR against Max Caster and the Gun Club. And I mean, the match itself was nothing to write home about, but Basically, during the picture picture break, they for you know they fo- focus in on Danhausen. Eventually, FTR get in. Eventually, FTR get the win. But something to point out here in this match: Anthony Bowens can walk again. 
Anthony Bowens can walk again, and um, the acclaimed are certainly super over. Oh yeah. Um, I, I even though they're heels, there's there's two teams that stood out: the acclaimed super over with the, well, Matt, specific, more specifically Max Caster, just their whole thing. Like I get vibes of um, the New Age Outlaws with their whole intro. Oh, you didn't know that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's something that the fans can get behind and get excited about. And it's like, even if the match doesn't deliver, okay, you just really came to see the entrance. So whatever. Right. It's cool. Um, The other thing I want to say, FTR, super over. Um, I started out hating their theme song. I actually love their theme song now. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, The Ass Boys, the Gun Club, whatever you want to call them, I want to like them. And I think that they have uh, a lot of, room for growth and I think that they're going to be really good but they continue to like botch a lot in matches like last mm-hmm. night it was like three straight botches like um, I think it was Colton who I forget who it was but uh, they, there was a spot where he was supposed to get close I think he was supposed to get clotheslined over the top rope he was out of position mm-hmm. um, and then the other one like there was a, a hip toss and he like turned it in first of all he fell when he flipped over then he was he went for like a neck neck breaker and you, it looked almost kind of looked like he hurt Dax. So right, def, definitely can't afford any more injuries. Can't afford any injuries to the top tag team and maybe all pro wrestling right now. So right, um, yeah, they, I, I like Dax, them, especially because Dax was injured during Forbidden Door and had to come out with all the tape on his shoulder or whatnot. So you don't need him getting hurt even more if he's no. still wrestling hurt. But I, I mean. I think right there, there's your, there's Jim Cornette's favorite trio tag team with Danhausen and FTR. I mean, if there's any comedy wrestler, I'm pretty sure he is a fan of Danhausen, and we all know he's a fan of FTR. Maybe that changes because of a comment Dax Harwood made during the media scrum, but I doubt that happens. But nonetheless, let's move on. Jade Cargill retains the TBS championship against Layla Gray. Nothing too much to talk about with this match. A simple Jade Cargill squash against a relatively unknown. I believe this was her AEW Dynamite debut. She's wrestled four other times prior to that. And I think she was on SmackDown like two or three months ago. At least that's what I saw on Twitter. But afterwards, Stokely Hathaway tries to cut a promo. Jade takes the mic away saying she's sick of everybody bitching and complaining about her, getting these pushes when she doesn't do anything. So... She wants to level up the competition. Out comes Athena, out comes Statlander, and they have a little bit of a, a fight. Layla Gray tries to, you know, join the baddies. Hathaway likes the idea, but Kira Hogan and Jade are like, nope. And that's where the segment ends there. It's not the greatest segment, but I think it still showcases Jade Cargo the way she needs to be showcased right now until quote unquote competition comes her way. And I think Athena and Chris Stanley are, are definitely great people that could, you know, give her that competition or even dethrone her as the TBS champion. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought, I thought this was, this match was exactly what needed, what it needed to be. Um, I, I think the more they limit Jade and not try to throw him into throw her into these pay-per-view longer, like drawn out matches, just have her do her power moves and then have her win. Um, that's all that she really needs to do. You know, she, mm-hmm. she's more of like, uh, not that she's bad in the ring, but it's really like her presence. That's really special about her. So this was right. exactly what it needed to be. That was great. The, the stuff afterwards, I was fine with that too. Progresses the storyline. So this was good. Right. And, and the fact that she's only wrestled 34 matches in her professional wrestling career, 
she looks better than a lot of people that have had 3,400 matches in their professional career. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's not perfect, but at least she's getting better and is improving. And I think so far the stuff that, you know, she's doing behind the scenes with Brian Danielson has worked and she's improving since that moment. But, you know, because, you know, we have blood and guts, it's a relatively short review, but the main event is already here after one hour. Blood and Guts is the main event that takes up all of the second hour. Blackpool Combat Club, Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz against the Jericho Appreciation Society. And what'd you think of Jericho Appreciation Society's get up here? Did it scream sports entertainment to you? Scream Backstreet Boys to me. <laughs> Even uh, equipped with the, or solidified, I should say, with like that thing that did at the top of the ramp there with the spin and the twirl in, in unison. Yep. So, yeah. But but nonetheless, that was probably the closest thing to quote unquote sports entertainment that we got in this match because it was violent, it was bloody. I mean, I don't know who was worse, Moxley or Angelo Parker. Angelo Parker got I don't, I don't know if he cut like the wrong vein or something in his head blading um after the pile driver onto the glass, but he was a crimson, not even mask, like a crimson bodysuit at the end of this. Yeah. You know, Moxley reopened the same gash that he had at forbidden door freaking Ortiz was bloodied up. Santana, I think had blood Jericho had blood and it was just chaotic violence that you expect to in a match like this. But I have to say there was a lot of storytelling and a lot of progression with everything going on. We know Wheeler Yudi and Daniel Garcia are having a program for the ring of honor pure title. So we saw a lot of them going back and forth obviously stuff with Santana and Ortiz and maybe going with um, 2.0 or whatever they're called now, you know, they're doing stuff. We had a face, a stare down with Jake Hager and Claudio Castagnoli, you know, formerly the real Americans, of course, got the, we, the people chant. I thought it was stupid chant from bad creative, but apparently not. If people remember it three years after that, but the finish, I actually loved the way, they finish this match. It goes all the way to the top. We have Jericho's up there after Ty Conti opens the gate, beats up a referee, gets the key, opens the uh, door. Ruby Soho comes in for the save. Jericho tries to climb on top of the cage. Kingston follows him. Sammy Guevara follows him. And Claudio follows him. Sammy Guevara gets thrown off the top of the cage through the table. My God, he's dead. Sammy, 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 he's dead. Then we have Kingston with the chokehold, Claudio with the uh, big swing and uh, sharpshooter on Matt Menard. Menard taps before Jericho could pass out. Kingston's like, dude, this is my moment to humiliate Jericho. And Claudio's like, yeah, we won, we won, we won. And Kingston's like disappointed, but at the end he's like, all right, we still won nonetheless. I thought this was a really good match, much improved since last year. And the fall from the cage was a lot better executed yeah. than the huge pillow landing of Jericho last year. But I thought this match was well worth the hour. And I think, uh, you know, I didn't tune out. I didn't zone out. I was so focused on the entire hour, even the picture in picture stuff I was focusing in on. And I hate picture in picture. Yeah, no, this this was definitely a good match. Definitely much more improved. Uh, just the visual of Sammy Guevara getting thrown off the top in comparison to, like, the Jericho thing. 
Um, definitely learned from their mistakes with the first time. Um, it was definitely brutal. Um, I'm sure the match wasn't for everybody, but at the same time, uh, it's not like it was just brutal for the sake of being brutal. Like I really felt like they've built up this feud to the point where, okay, this has to come to a head in this match. Um, the ending was very good uh, with, with Claudio being the one that got the victory for his team and then Eddie Kingston. Don't, don't quite know what direction they're going to go in with that, but I imagine we'll see Eddie Kingston and Claudio probably feuding because there is a lot of history there. Right. Um, but yeah, I, 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 thought this, I thought this was good. It was definitely a, a longer match. It was about an hour. I remember looking at the clock. I was like, all right, so this is going to be a full hour. Go through a lot of commercial breaks, probably about three or four from what I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was the entire second hour. So you're definitely getting four commercial breaks. So 10 after, 20 after, 35 and 50. And they were all picture in picture breaks. So that definitely was well worth it there. So anybody that bought ad time for that match definitely got their money's worth on that one. I didn't see the ratings before we recorded. So I don't know how well they did, but I would think it did well, especially because it seems like the longer matches tend to do well. For AEW, where it progresses the, you know, viewership and the demo, but who knows? Brandon Thurston will probably have a breakdown with that uh, later tonight, if not Friday morning or whatever the case may be. But was there any like spots from this match that you vividly remember? Like, holy crap, that was awesome, or uh, that yeah. is scary? I, you know, other than the Sammy one, I think that's the one that everybody remembers. Uh, when Eddie Kingston got well, Eddie Kingston's great because he makes you. Um, Kind of lose yourself in in the moment when he's in there. The mm-hmm. stare that he had, um, just like kind of like the way he was swinging the the kendo stick. Just oh, when he first came in, yeah, eyes locked on Jericho. <laughs> Guys were walking out, and it was just like whack, whack, like a fly swatter. Yep, um, that was great. Daniel Garcia, I can't recall what happened. Somebody hit him with a big move or a weapon or something, and the way he was kind of just like staring off into space. There was a moment with that. Um, the unfortunate thing, Santana, before he, when he got hurt, he came in, when he came in, there was a good amount of energy fans were behind him. And then, you know, he did whatever he did to his knee. So, I mean, there was a lot of good moments, I think, throughout the match. Um, kind of odd that they chose to do the tax spot right before a commercial break. Maybe they did that intentionally. So it was kind of like, all right, we'll draw attention away from this. But I think like Jericho got some good offense in. He actually like threw Moxley in the tax and all of it was happening during the commercial break. But and he you know, the walls of Jericho on right. thumbtacks too. Right. So, you know, and I think also the pile driver onto the glass that was all yeah. done during the picture in picture too. So right. I think definitely that was some, you know, diversion there for those that don't want to say it. Hey, look at these commercials, you know, as a form of pay attention to something else. So, I don't know if it was just bad timing and they just got lucky or that was purposely done that way to, you know, divert some people and just focus on something else. But, you know, I like the stare down with Hager and, and Claudio, the Kingston spot. I laughed my ass off when he's just going out and just whacking Garcia. And I think it was Angelo. There was a part in this match where Angelo was hanging on the side of the cage. And I was like, how the hell did he get there? Yeah. How did he get there? Because it's not like he climbed over the cage and he couldn't got thrown out of the cage. So how did he get to the other side I of the cage? Didn't, didn't Ty Conti open the door right before uh, Ruby Soho came out? Maybe that's that how was, he got out. But that, no, that spot that's was after? before. Like that was before. I, 
really I couldn't tell you. I don't know how Angelo Parker got there, but I'm just seeing him hanging from the side of the cage. I'm like, how did he get there? And the other thing that I will notice, they tried to expose the wood from underneath yeah. one of the rings, and I don't think they ever used it. Not that I which, can recall. Which, I mean, I'm not saying they should have, but if they're going to expose it like Champa and Gargano did, they used Use it. it. So, but anyway, I, I thought the match was good. I don't know how many stars Meltzer gives it, but me, I, I thought it was worth the five stars. But nonetheless, I thought, you know, the show overall, given that the only thing you're supposed to focus on is blood and guts and they delivered on it, I thought it was a very entertaining show. And the stuff in the first hour, I understand there's injuries and COVID stuff, so not exactly all the stars you want to see, but at least give some shine to some people that could use the TV time. And I like that the women's division got a little bit more exposure with Ty and Ruby. You got, you know, the TBS championship situation. And on top of that, we find out on Rampage, Nyla Rose and Tony Storm is going to happen too. So at least it looks like they're actually doing something with this women's division outside of Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Yeah. The one thing that I just wish that would have happened, um, big pack should have been involved somehow, even if it was a video package. Yeah. Him, I, him I mean, winning his again, first title. Know, right. I don't know all the situations with injuries and COVID. Cause I, I Meltzer saying like everybody, it seems like has some kind of issue. And yeah. basically the only people that were there were the only ones that could do something. And the bucks, you know, challenging Goto and Yoshihashi for the tag titles on Friday too. So Friday looks like a pretty interesting rampage. So We'll see how it goes, but let us know what you thought of Blood and Guts in the comments below. Don't forget to subscribe, hit that bell for notifications, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble.